Welcome to New Horizons Podcast, Trailblazers. New Horizons is a national nonprofit that has served individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities since 1971. We believe that every person has a story to tell. This podcast will be a place for men and women from diverse backgrounds and with unique abilities to share their victories, challenges, and stories with the world. We hope you enjoy. A quick announcement before today's episode. The 2020 census is here, and it is incredibly important that people with disabilities and their families are ready to be counted. Please visit thearc.org slash census to learn more. Last week, we aired our first ever video podcast with Commissioner Brad Turner. Commissioner Turner is the father of a daughter with a disability, a fierce advocate for the entire disability community, and a wealth of knowledge as the head of Tennessee's Department of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. We had a fun conversation ranging from baseball to his goal of working himself out of a job, and I hope you enjoy. My name is Brad Turner. I am the commissioner for the State Department of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities here in Tennessee. Awesome. Commissioner Turner, again, we are honored to have you on for our first video podcast and excited to learn a little bit more about your background and DIDD as well. Well, I'm excited to be here. It'll be fun, and I enjoy doing this. Anytime I can share the story of success that we're doing uh, and the individuals that are living the types of lives they've envisioned for themselves, I'm always anxious to do that. So thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we get too far into DIDD and have a lot of questions there, would love to hear a little bit more about your background because I know you, you grew up in Arcadia, Florida. Is that correct? I did. That's right. I was born in Florida. Uh, right outside of Jacksonville and moved to Arcadia when I was uh, 13. Uh, and that's really where I, I consider home still, Southwest Florida, a very small town there. Uh, and after I graduated high school, I moved to Nashville. I went to Trebekah Nazarene University here in Nashville uh, on a baseball scholarship, played baseball there, uh, and met my wife, Rebecca, uh, my sophomore year. She was a freshman, and we were married in 1999, have been happily married uh, ever since then. So Tennessee has uh, quickly become my home and we've enjoyed living here the last 25 plus years uh, in middle Tennessee. We live in Smyrna right now, so we stay very close to Nashville. Awesome. You So being from Florida, you didn't grow up a Florida fan, did you? I did. Yes. I'm a huge Florida Gators fan, which That's has cool. caused me a lot of consternation here in Tennessee uh, in big orange country and uh, anchor down country. But yes, I try to stay as loyal as I can to my teams. <laughs> well, I, I went to the, the University of Georgia, so that's okay for me, unfortunately. So yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, I actually, uh, I try to go almost every year to the Florida Georgia game in Jacksonville. Yeah, of course. And for people that have not been, uh, I would encourage them to go if they're just football fans in general. It's quite the experience to see a stadium split right down the middle with red and black and blue and orange uh, on opposite sides. But it's it's a fun experience, and uh, regardless of the outcome, it is. Some of my worst heartbreaks have been in that stadium. I'm not sure. <laughs> Likewise, if it's exactly. A, I too. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if it's a, a neutral site uh, being in Jacksonville, but I guess it. That's right. I guess it works. That's right. Before I've heard that. Push- I've heard that from several Georgia fans before. <laughs> um, but before we completely leave Florida, I'm curious what the watermelon festival is in Arcadia. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Arcadia every year has a watermelon festival. So obviously produce and citrus are very plentiful in Florida. And the area that I grew up in was a very strong agricultural community. 
uh, with cattle, with orange groves, with watermelons. And the Watermelon Festival uh, is a festival where people literally come in and enjoy watermelons. They have contests uh, like seed spitting, who can spit the uh, watermelon seed the farthest. Uh, they have a lot of local musical talent come in there, a lot of uh, square dancing and cloggers. Uh, and it's right there on the Peace River uh, that flows through the outside of Arcadia. So it's a really uh, just a good event for people to kind of kick their feet up and just relax and enjoy each other's company. But it's a lot of fun. I've got a lot of good history there. And then the extension of that, I think, why you might be asking, was one of my baseball teams that I played for. We were called the Watermelon Bandits. Mm-hmm. And we were sponsored by the Watermelon Association. So there's there's uh, always six degrees of separation somewhere. And that happened to be it for us playing baseball. Absolutely. So what position did you play in baseball? I played – yeah, I played shortstop most of my entire life. Uh, but on that team in the summer league, I would play third base. So I played infield my entire life. Uh, loved it. Still love baseball. Uh, still a big Atlanta Braves fan. Uh, still try to support Trebekah whenever I can to go over there and catch some baseball games and the sounds and uh, any of the games that I can get to. Uh, I certainly try to get to if my schedule allows. It's uh, still America's pastime. Absolutely. Are you enjoying the, the kind of bizarre games with the, the fake crowds right now? It's nice to have some sports back, but. Yeah, it's really just the semblance of some normalcy there with sports. And so I, I'm enjoying the games regardless of the cardboard cutouts or the way that they're doing some of the computer generated crowd images. Uh, just the idea that we've got sports back, uh, I think is a good thing. And really in, in a serious note, I, I've shared this before that the beauty of, of sports is that it just brings everybody together. It, it gives you an opportunity, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of background, uh, to have teammates that are, you know, are, are you're all on the same team. And there's a lot of elements in our population that that we model that same thing. You know, being in the in a community with people with disabilities, you know, we're all on the same team. And sports is very much a, a symbolic way of how we interact. That we're all trying to reach that same goal together. Uh, whatever that looks like, it takes a team. And so sports, every time I watch that, I think a lot about some of those common themes that we identify in sports as it relates to our population about, you know, picking each other up when we're down and making sure that we put people in the right positions to be successful. Uh, You know, not everybody can be a pitcher. Not everybody can be an outfielder, uh, but everybody can be somebody. And what we do is very important in how we relay uh, confidence and encouragement and energy to our population to let them know uh, that we believe in them and that whatever they want to do, they can do. If we just provide them with the tools to be successful. Absolutely. I one of the I mean, there's been many bummers, of course, during this COVID season. But one of the things that we were gearing up were a lot of the sports programs here at New Horizons. We'd gotten a, ba- a half court basketball set up. Oh, wow. Yeah. That here as well as um, plan on joining and alternative baseball league. So if you're looking for a, a pass, I want to coach a team, but uh, yes. a few of the things that uh, we were looking forward to during this time that have been put on hold, of course, but yeah, they, you know, they've got the miracle league out here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, that David price, I think you probably know him as a, a professional baseball pitcher, went to Vanderbilt and has had a lot of success in the majors uh, created a, a field out in Murfreesboro for children with disabilities to be able to participate in, uh, and unfortunately, this year, uh, I, I believe they, they couldn't do that because of the virus. So I, I can empathize uh, with New Horizons uh, around a lot of excitement on a baseball season coming up or basketball or whatever that looks like. And 
kind of having that taken away from COVID. But the, the good news is every day that passes, we're a day closer to this thing being over. So Thanks. tell your folks to be encouraged. It'll we'll, we'll be playing basketball and baseball soon enough. I will. I will. I, I hope so. But so sport took you to Nashville. Um, were you a shortstop mm-hmm. at Trevecca as well? I was. Yeah, I came in. I got really lucky uh, because the two guys that were a year ahead of me that were playing shortstop actually didn't come back to Trevecca. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I was the only shortstop on the roster and really got a chance to try to uh, showcase my talent. And uh, they kind of had to deal with me because I was the only one that could play short. But yeah, so I played short my entire career there. And then my brother joined me uh, two years later. He was a catcher, but also played middle infield. Uh, and so I got to play, uh, got to play ball with him for two more years in college. And it's just, it's still uh, very close friends that, that I have that I met 25 years ago uh, that we're still in contact. We still share successes and, and you know, things in life that sometimes happen. Uh, I'm still very connected to a lot of those guys that I came in with in the, in the fall of 1994. Awesome. And so you decided to, of course, you got married and you all decided to stay here in Nashville. Yep. What was the reasoning behind that? And I know you got involved in the community eventually. Jumping ahead a I little did. bit, I know you you joined the, the county commission, Rutherford as I well. I did, yeah. So we moved to, so my wife, Rebecca, and I got married in 1999. And we just, we, we love Tennessee, to be honest. I mean, it was nothing uh, more complex than we just loved where we were. We were uh, heavily involved in our church and we're still involved in our church. Uh, Concord Community Church in uh, Brentwood, Tennessee. We still go to the same church. Uh, and we had a lot of what we wanted here, had a good solid friend base. We had jobs that we enjoyed. We just loved the idea of living in Tennessee. Uh, and then we moved to Smyrna in 2003, uh, bought a house. We still live in the same house. I'm kind of cheap. I don't want to move because our mortgage is a pretty good mortgage payment right now. So I tell people I don't want to move and have to worry about a new mortgage payment. Um, and we've got a, just a solid community that we live in. And then to, to your point in 2010, uh, I ran for county commissioner in Rutherford County. And, and thankfully, I won in 2010. And then I won uh, re-election in 2014 and 2018. But then at, when the governor called for this opportunity, uh, I had to resign from my seat on the county commission. But it was a wonderful experience uh, being able to serve people uh, in the role of county commissioner uh, and in many ways, try my best to at least advocate for our population as well on on local issues related to schools and uh, some of the things that we don't think about uh, traditionally that that are very important to our population. Yeah, absolutely. So when the governor called, was that an an easy decision, or was that something you were amped up for? Took a little prayer and thought um, to, to to accept the offer. Well, it was actually both. So it was a no brainer for me when he called. Um, but I don't do anything in my life without prayer. Uh, very strong Christian. My faith is very important to me. Uh, so I still, even though it looked obvious to me, I wanted to make sure that it was still something that I needed to be doing. Uh, and so uh, after some prayer around that, I, I absolutely accepted that offer from the governor. And, and it has been the highlight of my professional career, being able to work uh, in a population that's very near and dear to my heart. And I think you, your, your folks at New Horizons, some of the others listening to this podcast uh, would be interested to know my daughter Kinsley is 13, but she has cerebral palsy. She's nonverbal, nonmobile in a wheelchair, uh, has had global delays, uh, has epilepsy. Uh, so I'm very familiar as a parent with some of the challenges that our population can run into. And so when I sit in this seat as commissioner, uh, I wear that hat uh, in a very temporary way. This job at some point will no longer be my job, 
but my life forever will be the parent of a child with a disability. And so I try to bring that lens to what we do uh, in promoting opportunities for my daughter, Kinsley, in the same manner that I would want, uh, it, it, that parents would want their children to be provided the opportunity. So uh, it was kind of where my own personal passion and my own personal pain met in the middle with the opportunity to be the commissioner. And, and, and Governor Lee's been a tremendous supporter for our department and has consistently asked me, what can we do to help Tennesseans with disabilities? Uh, at every level. And so we're working hard every day trying to make sure that we're able to deliver on the services that we've promised to Tennesseans. Awesome. So DIDD was was formed in 2009. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yep. Under uh, Governor Haslam came in 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 2010. So right at the tail end of Governor Bredesen's administration and to the front end of Governor Haslam's administration, they made the decision uh, to establish the Department of Intellectual Development of Disability that's its own standalone department. And obviously it's going to sound very self-serving, but I think that was 100% the right approach uh, to dedicate an area of specificity for our population to have a department that can provide need, services and meet needs of individuals all across the state. So what is, what, I guess in a few sentences, would you say is the mission of, of DIDD and what are you, what, what are you all currently working on right now? Yeah, I mean, our mission is always going to be to, to, to make sure that we promote opportunities and independence to meet the goals of individuals everywhere in Tennessee. And so um, my goal every day when I come into work is figuring out who we missed yesterday, how do we capture them today and make sure that we don't miss anyone tomorrow. So there's greatness that's in everyone, Andrew. And what we want to make sure we do is we pull that out of every individual inside our service network and even those that are not inside our service network. And so whatever that looks like, if you want to go on to be a sales rep, we want to help you job train and job coach and job skill, be the best sales rep that you can be. If you want to work in hospitality or tourism, we want to make sure that you're going to be the best hospitality and tourism professional that you can be. So there's tons of employment opportunities that are important to me. But at the end of the day, the vision is always going to be the same. How do we make Tennessee the best state for people with disabilities to live in in the United States? And we've done a lot of things there that have helped us capture that goal and capture that direction by providing the right services and the right amount of independence and person-centered practices so they can live out their dreams. So what would you say the relationship is between the state and between DIDB and agencies like New Horizons? And how how can we as, as agencies and nonprofits interact in the best way with with that relationship? Well, it certainly has to be a a relationship that's built around partnership and and trust. And you can't just get trust built on words. There's got to be, you've got to be able to deliver with actions too. And so we always, always want to recognize New Horizons and other providers and agencies that we work with that are delivering high-level care and high-level support and high-level opportunities for independence every day across the state of Tennessee. I, I constantly admire the direct support professionals, individuals that work every day inside our population to make sure that someone can live the type of lives that they've envisioned for themselves and actually be able to live out their dreams for the first time in their life. You know, a lot of times people, Andrew, don't realize that up until five years ago, Tennessee still had a lot of institutions where people with intellectual development of disabilities lived. And that was their entire environment and entire culture was built around institutions. We are breaking down those walls all over the state of Tennessee. And that's where partners like New Horizons and other provider agencies 
they'll want to be progressive as it relates to employment, as it relates to technology, as it relates to creating an environment for a person to thrive are critically important to what our mission and vision look like in the state of Tennessee. And that's what we've been tasked with by the governor is figuring out how do you continue to grow strong programs and strong opportunities for people all across the state of Tennessee. And at the end of the day, Andrew, I shared this. My job and my goal is to work myself out of a job where people don't need me anymore because they're not looking at people with disabilities as a separate population or a separate community inside the state of Tennessee. They're looking at them for their own worth, their own value, their own abilities, and not looking at them as a box that they just check to meet a need, but they're actually looking at it to check a box to change a life. That's important to me. And the day that I work myself out of a job will be the happiest that you have seen me in quite some time. Because that means people are seeing individuals with disabilities for who they are, not what they think they are based on history. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. So before we move on to some more, I know you're, you're very busy, some more softball pitch questions. What would you say is your favorite part of your job and just being at DIDD? Uh, my favorite part without question is when we can get on the road and travel. And I think that's been the hardest part for me. Uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic is not being able to get out on the road to travel to see the persons that, that we support, the individuals, the direct support professionals, the provider agencies that we work with. I love the relationship building aspect. I love being able to go out and see what people are doing at a very high level to live out their own dreams, whether it's meeting them at work or whether it's meeting them in their home, whatever that looks like. That's what I love doing in my job. And I love being able to promote the idea of hope to parents and to caregivers and to conservators and people that find themselves in the same position that I find myself in as a parent, that a diagnosis doesn't need to be fatal. There's still opportunities that we want to deliver on as the Department of Intellectual Development of Disabilities for your child, your loved one, your aunt, your uncle, your mom, dad, brother, sister, whatever that looks like. We're here to partner with you to make sure you know that life can still happen regardless of your circumstance. And I love being able to get out across the state and tell people that story, Andrew, because people need that. People want to be encouraged. They want to be excited. They want to know that things are going to be okay. And if I can do that for just one family when we're on the road, it makes it that trip that much more worth it to me because that's what we should be doing. And that's what we have been doing since I've been here uh, 19 months, 20 months almost. Absolutely. That's great. Well, to, to switch pace a little bit here, um, got a couple. I know you've already given us a lot of time, but some more fun questions. See how you, you feel. Sure. But, and take your time. I'm, I'm, on your, I'm on your schedule. Don't worry about me. I'm awesome. happy to do this. I appreciate that. But what is your, your favorite movie? Oh, my goodness. My favorite movie I think just on, I think right out of the gate, my favorite movie when I was growing up was Field of Dreams. It was a baseball movie that I absolutely loved. Uh, I'm a huge fan of The Godfather. Uh, so anytime The Godfather's on, I love watching that. But just from a baseball perspective, I think it would be Field of Dreams. Uh, but overall, it's tough for me to ever pass up The Godfather. I think that's just classic cinema. Uh, and so I love that movie. So have you and your family been watching a lot of movies during quarantine or have you all come up with any new quarantine hobbies or, or tasks while working from home more? You know, actually what we do a lot, a lot is Kinsley, my daughter's back in school now. So when one of the things that we do uh, that we've always done, uh, we'll use Wheel of Fortune. We'll watch Wheel of Fortune at night sometimes if we're eating dinner. 
uh, and let Kinsley guess the letters and, and we'll tell her when to guess and we'll have her wait till the wind, you know, the, the wheel is spinning. And uh, so we still try to build in some of that family time. And even though you're under the same roof, doesn't always mean that you're together. And so we certainly make sure that it's a priority at night uh, that we're able to spend a few minutes together, just kind of having a conversation about how the day went uh, and just kind of decompress a little bit by watching TV. Of course, Kinsley loves watching uh, Liv and Maddie, and she's got a lot of Disney shows that she loves watching. So I, I get uh, at night, sometimes I'll be sitting there watching some shows with her on the couch because her favorite way to, to unwind at the end of the day is for me to pick her up and, and sit her next to me on the couch and we'll kind of sit there and just watch TV for a little bit before I take her upstairs. That's awesome. So does your family have a favorite restaurant or place in or around Nashville? Uh, we actually do. I mean, we, we love steak. And so we actually love grilling out. I mean, during the summer, we probably grill out two or three times a week, uh, whether it's chicken, whether it's steak, uh, we'll grill fish, we'll grill kebabs. Uh, but we're big Red Lobster fans. We like Red Lobster. Uh, we're big uh, fans of local businesses, too, that we try to support. There's an Italian restaurant in Murfreesboro that we go to a lot. Uh, there's several small businesses here in Smyrna that we try to go support. So we do our, our fair share of, uh, of chain restaurants, but we also make sure that we support small businesses in Tennessee. And we've got a lot of favorite restaurants here that are locally owned in the Smyrna and the Nashville area, too. So I don't know if that answers that question, Andrew, because it's, it's a lot deeper than just picking one. It's almost like ice cream flavors. I don't know if I can just single one out and say it's any better than the other because there's a lot of great ones. Well, I won't ask my favorite ice cream flavor next then, but <laughs> a selfish question. What is something that you wish you had known at 26? A selfish question. One thing that I wish that I had known at 26? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, any piece of advice or something you've learned along the way that, that stands out? Yeah, what, I, without question, uh, you, you get more flies with honey than vinegar. And what I mean by that is you really need to be able to extend empathy and grace and mercy to people because everybody's fighting a battle that you can't see. Uh, and sometimes I think in our culture, we'll quit to judge people based on appearance or based on a single interaction with someone. Uh, that might, might might not be a true indicator about who they really are. They might just have had a bad day. Here's a good example of that. One of the jobs that I worked about 15 years ago, um, a lady called in to a team member that I was managing, and and the lady was really rude on the phone and angry, and, and the person that I was managing, you know, had also had a bad day. Well, it turns out the lady on the phone, her, her son had just uh, had a really bad car accident uh, and actually lost his life. Uh, and she was having to still do work at a hospital and and just didn't have a chance really to grieve. And that stuck out with me um, that you need to extend grace and mercy to people because people are hurting. And sometimes you just can't even see the battles that they're fighting at home. Uh, and if you do that, I think that's the best way for you to be able to build trust with someone, empathy with someone, loyalty with someone. If they know that you really care about them and you don't just look at them as a cog in the engine you get a lot more out of people that you work with that they know that you care about them and that they think that you don't care about them and you don't care about what happens to them. So I think without question, extending grace and mercy to people, any chance you get uh, is something that will benefit you in the long run because that will come back to you uh, in, in ways that you probably can't even imagine. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. But one final question with two parts here. The first is sure. what are your, your hopes for the disability community here in Tennessee 
And the second part of that is what do you wish people that may may not have a, a family member or a direct connection to the disability community, what do you wish they, they knew about the disability community? Sure. So I think I kind of covered a little bit the first one. I mean, my goal is for, me, for myself to work myself out of a job. I mean, I want our DIDD uh, to be so progressive, so aggressive, um, so successful in what we're doing that individuals with disabilities aren't even going to need us anymore because they're living on their own in their own communities. They're working in high paying jobs. Uh, they've got uh, friends that they've got relationships with. Uh, there's things that they're doing on their own for the first time that they don't need any government support or programs that we might provide. I want to make sure that we continue to build an environment and an attitude and an era of success for individuals with disabilities, both economically, uh, both personally, both from a relationship perspective, uh, that they know in their own mind that they can do anything that they set their minds to, that it doesn't matter what their goal is, that we're going to be a department that helps them achieve their goals. And at the end of the day, that's all I really care about, Andrew. I'm not worried about whether we get credit for it or not. Uh, I'm worrying about individuals meeting uh, their dreams for the first time in their lives. And, and it doesn't matter to me if that's more additional schooling, if it's work, like I said, whatever that dream looks like, I want to make sure that we put them in a position to be successful, but our department is there in such a support mechanism uh, that they know that we've got their back and that we're going to be the foundation for them to stand tall on. The second part of that relative to how do I, you know, what's one message that I would want people outside of our community to know uh, is that we're here and that we are ready to be productive members in Tennessee, even more so than what we've done historically with jobs, with engagement in community, with being your friend, with building relationship. Uh, there's a lot that we still have to deal with. And in many ways, Andrew, I've shared this with folks on panels that I've been on, um, that our population is still fighting the last great civil rights battle as it relates to housing, as it relates to opportunities and employment, as it relates to relationship, as it relates to communities, whatever that looks like. Help us, be an ally to us, work with us, support us, give our population an opportunity to show you what we can do. And not in a manner that just makes you feel good, but a manner where you actually invest back into our community and our population through our programs, through your own personal uh, building relationships, working with providers like uh, new Horizons and folks that are actually invested in our network, figure out ways that you can come alongside us to support us. Because at the end of the day, uh, you, you know, y'all means all. And I've, I've said that for as long as I've been here in Tennessee, that y'all means all. And we want to make sure that the several thousands of Tennesseans with disabilities know that they've got a seat at the table uh, in Tennessee and we need allies that, that can help us do that. Absolutely. Well, Commissioner Turner, we're again, thank you for joining the podcast. New Horizons certainly. is right there with you. And we, we certainly think that Governor Lee picks the, the right guy to, to be the, the head of the ship. But hopefully we can we can have you out to New Horizons for a game of pickup or something soon once it's it's safe and, and look forward to a visit and continuing to work with you all in the future. Absolutely. And, and at any time that I can be a guest on your podcast or a visitor, please let me know, because I'm certainly here to, to try to be a good advocate and, and partner with you and what you do. And I want to thank the folks at New Horizons for their mission and their engagement and for everything that they're doing to, to help Tennesseans. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Commissioner Turner. If you'd like to learn more about New Horizons and our work in the disability community, please visit our website or email us at podcast at newhorizonsls.org. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.